What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Track 19, deep in the heart of Texas. I'm your host, The Rook, Jared Maid. I'm joined by the analyst, Ryan May, as well. Big bro, as you could say. Um, well, we had a couple of things happen over the past week outside of the NFL. Of course, we had the ALCS showdown between the Houston uh, Astros and the Texas Rangers. And this was a series for the ages. We covered briefly... Uh, last week, the start of the series, I think we were at game three or four or whatever. It was before game five um, where Altuve hit the crushing home run. And, you know, this was – we don't know when we're going to see this series again. Yeah, So this was big for the state of Texas. Um, and so we'll get the, into that in just a second. However, the analyst has not been on the pod in quite some time. So we're eager to see your tier list, which has probably changed drastically, as well as get uh, a good insight on your two-minute drill. So I'm sure you have some good stuff in store for us for the pod uh, this evening. So. That's right. I'm glad to be back on. It's been a while. So uh, not too happy after uh, this past Sunday watching the Astros get absolutely demolished. I know Jared's on the on the up, but sad boy hours for the boys in Houston. Uh, we got sent home, and it's never a good taste. Never a good taste. I thought I saw a video of Altuve crying after after with his post game interview, just kind of letting the emotions fly. And uh, you also got uh, <laughs> Mattress Matt getting into it with a fan. <laughs> man, that dude was letting f bombs fly, but that you know, never gets old, man. <laughs> Like somebody goes, hey, match man, how much money you lose? And he's, ah, you know, gets all in their grill. And guy's about to have a stroke right off hey, the bat. He's like 96 years old, you know, ready to throw down at Minute Maid. Uh, yeah, that that clip got me dying laughing. But, you know, yeah, Astro's Twitter is pretty heated right now. Um, and I didn't expect, I mean, I expected it. But, uh, well, I mean, that transitions into us into the shadow of the script segment, which collides with the ALCS uh series and of course you know the primary thing that's going around in this in this game or in this series was that nobody won at home nobody and we thought that that was going to break after the game five win uh after Altuve crushed that three-run home run and the clerk the Astros come out at home and they just can't seem to get the bats going um and credit to the Rangers even though they were fly ball central, basically, which is quote unquote, uh, was it stressless outs as John Schmoltz was referring to him as, and we had a lot of them. Uh, I, I was shocked. I, I mean, obviously, my teams never win shit. So whenever <laughs> the Rangers came into the, I, I, my all hopes were gone, uh, leaving for the weekend. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is exactly what you wanted for if you're a baseball fan, you wanted them to go to Game Seven. Um, what, what was your take on just the Astros in general, you know, playing at home versus playing, you know, in Arlington where they just completely smoked us. I mean, their bats were unbelievably hot and then just unbelievably cold when they got back home, which I understand y'all are not as good at home, but still home field advantage is home field advantage. And it matters in the playoffs. I just find it a bit odd. I mean, of course, baseball, you can't really explain anything, but. I mean, what was what was your quick? I guess your quick analysis on what you saw when you were watching the games from the Astros. 
Well, do you want to start with game six or game seven? Because game start with six, game six. Yeah. Yeah. Game six. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that happened. Obviously, you know, Abreu hitting uh, Garcia after the home run, after three run home run to put the yeah. Rangers up. Uh, controversial moment when they were sitting there going through all that, and you had all was that that was game six, wasn't it? Or was that yeah? Five? It was uh yeah game six at home uh, late yeah. in the game. So anyway, they you know a lot of emotions come out, a lot of talk, um, basically about if if that was intentional or not, and then you know you have Garcia come up, you peg him, and then they you know go back and forth about. The whole bench is clear, bullpen's clear. Uh, <laughs> Dusty Baker gets ejected. Um, Abreu's parts are partially suspended. He reviews it so he can pitch again. And you know, Game Six Altuve for like from a perspective of an Astros fan, like Game Six Altuve hits that home run, and that's like historically for the Astros, that just lets you know, like, okay, we're in this to be there. We're in this to win it. And we close out in game six feeling like a million bucks headed home to play game or seven. Game five. You get to play yeah, game sorry, six. Yeah, sorry. Game five. Yeah, to play game six. We feel like we're, we're there and, and ready. So then we win game six, come home for game seven and, and blow it. And, you know, speaking on game seven, seeing your pitcher come out in the first inning, already down three, three runs with one out, that's just like panic mode yeah. automatically. And, you know, we've been talking about the Rangers bullpen, how they've been abysmal and how the Astros bullpen has been great. Well, it doesn't matter how good your bullpen is. You don't want to see somebody or your starter that's supposed to last six innings. Statistically, that's what wins ball games is when you're, you know, your starter goes six innings. And when he doesn't, that's a, oh, shit moment. And, right. Yeah. And the Astros just did not weather it good uh the rangers just their bats were on fire and like jared pointed out earlier the ashes just weren't very patient at the plate trying to make something happen and, and it just did not go well for the shrows so um yeah and my other take on that is not to cut you off here but my other take on that is like dusty baker i mean i, I don't i just i don't understand we're trying to win a game here there's a bunch of question, like or a series for that matter, but there's a bunch of questionable calls in in the series for the Astros. I mean, one thing for me that stood out was, and we got away with it in Game Six, was pinch hitting John Singleton when you had Chaz McCormick on the bench, and then the walk the, of the year. Yeah, and Game Seven, we we pull out our starter early, and I, I get that he's he's getting shelled in the first inning, but we. We pull in a couple pitchers that I don't understand. Like I don't understand why we didn't ask Verlander to step out on the mound in like the third inning, yeah. Or that we didn't ask Ryan Presley, "Hey, give me your two or three best innings." And we got to we got to find a way to shut these people down. We got to find a way to shut these bats down. And then, you know, letting Maldonado still bat when that guy can't hit a, like he couldn't hit a anything for yeah. his entire season. And you've got Diaz that's batting two ninety three on the on the bench. It's just, it was abysmal. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying you're going to overcome, you know, 11 runs from the Rangers and Garcia just bombing uh, bombs over Baghdad and Minute Maid, but <laughs> he, that dude just, he's an unreal hitter, but 
Yeah, I mean the Astros got beat, and it was it was tough to see, but you know. Well, it's only fitting that you're wearing a black True Brand hat, you know, on the a black day for for Houston right. Astros fan. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I honestly agree with the Dusty Baker thing. I mean, I, like I we were in communication all throughout the week, obviously with our track uh, group chat, and we're sitting there. I'm sitting there saying it is all hands on deck, Game Seven. Everybody you can throw in there is coming in, and Bochi did that. Uh, Scherzer gave us, you know, three and a half decent innings or whatever, and he started to kind of get shelled. And then it was all right, enough. Jordan Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery comes in there and gives us three more really good innings. Um, our, and then our Spores, who has been very success, successful against the Astros, especially at Minute Maid, comes in and does a fantastic job locating his pitches. Leclerc comes in with the seven run. Uh, uh, lead, um, and it, it was just easy, you know. It, it, nothing seems easy from my point of view. We were sitting, I was sitting there saying, This is not enough. Um, and but credit to Altuve and Alvarez for having an outstanding series. Uh, those dudes were completely, um, unstoppable. We could not get them out. Um, but like we talked about like the the Rangers bullpen not being good and being asinine. Well, that was in Arlington. When we got to Houston, it, we completely shattered the script, if you will. You know, because I mean, we we, we won the first game 2-0 and then we run the second game what was it? 4 or 3 or 2 or whatever it was. Very close game within two or three runs. That's when you need your bullpen the most. And we're like, "Wow, our bullpen's actually doing their job. Get to Arlington." It's boo boo mix shit tits, and you're like, golly, <laughs> and uh, it just was very ironic series. Uh, but you know, nevertheless, just to kind of break down game seven from my point of view, um, the bats were hot, like you mentioned, Garcia. I mean, I have to speak on him in the most respectful <laughs> way. That that man completely daddied Houston after that after that pitch um, or hit by pitch by him. And granted, he struck out four times the next game in game six, which is hilarious because that's Adolis Garcia. And then finish caps it off with a grand slam. And you're just like, yeah. <laughs> I guess he hit it when he mat- when it matters. And then the next game, it was like, oh, my God, we don't pitch to Adolis again. It home run, ball off the top of the wall, opposite field home run. And then I was like, I mean, good Lord, a single in, the, in his last at bat, Seager um, with the double deck bomb in the first inning like what happened was and john smoltz you know to credit him the the rangers kept they could not hit a high fastball to save their lives it just became uh stressless outs infield pop-ups and simeon and seager were the main proprietors of that and then they became the differentiators in the last two games where you know they were showing it on screen the amount of times the Rangers got on top of the ball and they were just lasering it. Um, but yeah, I'm shocked that they didn't throw in Verlander. I'm shocked they didn't just go all hands on deck desperation mode. And you know, luckily the the Rangers didn't have a world class you know blow of a game. Uh, once once we were got up, we just kind of kept pouring it on. Uh, so credit to the Rangers and credit to the Astros. This was a fantastic series. I think everybody wanted to see it go uh seven games the big controversial thing now is the world series um which i'm assuming you know i I believe the game's on right now we're recording on a tuesday night where game seven is uh i'm assuming the phillies are going to win this game 
my favorite player, I sound like a 12-year-old, but my favorite player, Bryce Harper versus the Rangers, Dallas versus Philadelphia. This is another series that the people want. Um, however, it reminds me of uh, my state championship appearance in high school where it's their second time in a row going to the final game, and it's the people who are like, man, we haven't been here ever or in forever, and they get in there and the Phillies win. So I'm nervous for that, um, but I've got – if the Rangers win the World Series – I have, I really think Stemian steps up and I've got him being, could be a dark horse MVP for the series. Uh, if the Phillies win, I think it's going to be somebody like Schwarber. I don't know why it's going to be some, going to be Cuzzo. Why not? But yeah. um, I think it, the game goes to six or seven, no matter what, no matter who we play. So. Yeah. I'm uh, just checking in on it right now. It's one, one top third, one out. And, uh, Looks like I, I don't know. I think the Phillies will probably pull it off. I think the Phillies are the better team. I think the Diamondbacks are, you know, competing. But I think like Philadelphia, the Phillies are a better team. And I I, I think the Phillies and the Rangers will end up playing each other. And you know, I I kind of said even before the Astros lost, I said whoever wins the ALCS, I don't think either team is going to beat the Phillies the way that they've been playing. Uh, the Rangers are really going to have to step out, step up at home, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I agree with Jared; it's going to go six or seven, regardless. But you know, we'll yeah. see. I, you know, the Rangers are the bats are hot. You know, they're kind of coming out beating a uh, Texas rival, a division rival, or and you know that that will fire up a team. So, yeah. The last two things I'll say about the game or the series is one. The umpires sucked. Yeah, they were terrible. They were horrible on both sides. It was very inconsistent. It was uh, like the outside part of the plate was a, a abysmal the entire series. <laughs> yeah. um, I couldn't. I mean, it was like boom, you know, three or four balls off the plate, huh? And then it was boom, right on the right on the edge of the like right there. Oh, it's outside. I'm like, what are we yeah, doing? It seems like Hennies. And it seems like anything from, you know, zero to six inches outside low was a 50-50 ball for every yeah. for every umpire that called it. It was either like below the you knees know, like as well. Somebody would throw a slider and it would land six inches off the plate to be a strike, but then someone would throw a 99 mile an hour heater right on the corner, perfect frame job by the yeah. whoever's yeah. playing catcher, and it would be you know ball outside. And you're like, all right, okay, yeah. And then the last one is get me a Nathan Eovaldi jersey. Someone. That dude yeah. is a certified dog. Yeah, Respect to Nathan Eovaldi. Uh, fantastic series by him. Um, all right. Let's get into uh, NFL Week 7 recap. Um, we're going to kick things started off with, you know, per usual, um, I believe I'm covering the Saints once again. This is our <laughs> Thursday night football recap. The Four and two Jaguars took on the three and three Saints. Now the five and two Jaguars versus now the three and four Saints. So Jaguars win 31 to 24. Now it's official. Derek Carr is the worst quarterback inside the 10 in NFL history. If you don't know, I believe his name, uh, it's something sap. He's on Twitter, but he has an entire thread of all the times that Derek Carr has failed inside the 10. I mean, it's certified one of the most, like hateful threads I've ever seen in my life, 
But then I watched and I said, oh my God, this is atrocious. This is terrible. I mean, it was absolute heave mode for Derek Carr. And it, I'm telling you, it was like 45 parts of just 10 second clips of Derek Carr drops back on third down. Oh God. You know, it was like, okay. But so official worst quarterback inside the 10, which is why I've said in the past, they just feel field goal people to death. Um, and to add on to that, they got a huge disconnect with their wide receivers. It's an awful look. Um, it looks more on car to me than it is receivers. I, I would doubt Alave, a young guy trying to get his, uh, his bag is slacking on routes. Plus when you throw it 20 yards out of bounds, ain't nobody catching that Derek. Uh, so, but yeah, and reinforce they're poorly coached. Uh, Dennis Allen, it's, it's not it. Um, you got that kind of a roster and you play like crap. It's unacceptable. Um, and then just to translate to the, to the Jaguars, man, to give credit to them, the uh, Trevor Lawrence connection with uh, Christian Kirk is, is solid. Um, I think it's, it has to do with one Christian Kirk's name in Christian and Trevor, Trevor <laughs> Lawrence's faith. Um, so I think that's might be one reason why they have a better connection than Ridley, who is a gambler. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, yeah, uh, their connection is concerning. I mean, a lot of people are selling Calvin Ridley, including you. Yeah, in their, including in, me. <laughs> in their fantasy leagues. And then, uh, obviously, ETN continues his great success on the ground. Um, but, yeah, yeah, Jaguars win. They're looking pretty hot. Hashtag analyst uh, um, is what Trevor Lawrence was tweeting out on social media, whatever the hell that means. I can't decipher that to save my life. But Yeah, I don't really I know do who's doubting Trevor Lawrence. Like he says, people are. Dude's a good quarterback. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, we'll take us into our – Next game here, uh, uh, the Ravens versus the Lions. Uh, yeah, thirty-eight to Baltimore, six Detroit. What do you have on this one? Yeah, um, good lord, what a beatdown, <laughs> man! Uh, if you if you turned on your TV on Sunday at noon and you're like, I'm ready to watch, you know, the because the slates were not bad. You had the Lions and the Ravens at noon. You had the you know, 325 Chargers and Chiefs, and then the Sunday night game was Dolphins Eagles. Like, you're like, oh, what a great, great, slate. Yeah. great slate of football. And I got the two. Well, then you turn on your TV <laughs> at Sunday and you, you look at the first quarter of the Lions Ravens game and it's 28 to nothing. So you're like, or the first half, you're like, oh my God, what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on is the Lions just blanked. I mean, <laughs> they walked out there and it was like they were facing like Megatron and the Decepticons. They just, they, they blanked. Um, they didn't get a first down until like midway through the second quarter. And their offense just looked abysmal. But I, I think the real thing here is that, you know, the Ravens are finally playing up to what everybody says they should be. You know, Lamar Jackson almost had a perfect passer rating. The Ravens had eight passing plays of at least 20 yards. And I mean, if you were watching that game, they were just flying down the field. They would get, you know, they would force a three and out by the, they would force three and out by the Lions, and then all of a sudden Lamar Jackson would be in the red zone, and then they would get down there, and it was with ease. So, you know, it was 28-0 yeah. at half. Um, Lions didn't score until the third quarter. You know, this would have been a good game for the Lions to at least try and get Jameer Gibbs, like, majorly involved, and they just couldn't even get anything rolling on offense. But, you know, the thing about the Ravens, too, or the Lions that they've been talking about is the Lions' defense has been really strong. And I mean, they just let them run all over. I mean, they they couldn't 
do anything. Because so, I'm going to beat you down. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Lamar was 21 of 27, 357 yards and three touchdowns. And yeah. I mean, they, he also added 36 on the ground with another touchdown. So, I mean, if you had him in fantasy, he, he balled. And, yeah. you know, you go look at the Lions game, they just didn't do anything. And, that you know, I think that's more concerning for the Lions. You know, they – they were supposed to be uh, one of the top contenders. A lot of people were saying they were the number two team in the NFC. Well, not anymore. They they came out and they kind of laid an egg and not a good team to lay an egg against. So exposed. Uh, yeah, they kind of got exposed a little bit. Baltimore looked really really good, and you know that's amazing. Things happens happen when Baltimore catches the football. Yeah, uh, I was just know, about to say yeah. uh, Zay Flowers uh, found some some hands in the locker room so you know that's that's the short sweet version but it's basically baltimore way up and then uh detroit boys down so yeah that's that's yeah basically it on that game well chargers and chiefs though that this was we 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 geared this one up to be a pretty uh i guess juggernaut of a game when it comes to fantasy um as well as just being points in the board and i mentioned last week that the the Chargers are three and seven versus the Chiefs in their last 10 games. Um, and that Andy Reid would eventually, you know, no matter this game was probably going to be close, but that Andy Reid would outcoach the hell out of Brandon Staley. And yeah. I mean, it kind of showed, but then again, Mahomes and Kelsey just tore it up. And yeah. every game that Swift appears on that field, you can bet Travis Kelsey is going to pop off your fantasy team. So, yeah. If you're if you are a guy and you know a Swifty, you need to make sure that you're in communication with them prior to the Chiefs game to make sure that she is going to be in attendance. Um, obviously, Kelsey's a must start no matter what, but you never know. You could be geared for an easy win if Taylor Swift's at the game. But uh, I know you have more on this game as well uh, between the Chargers and Chiefs. Yeah, quick week recap. recap. Uh, quick recap on this one. Uh, obviously, like Jared was saying, uh, the Chiefs won 31-17. Uh, Patrick Mahomes looked like an absolute dog. He had he was 32-42, 424 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. And I think at one point he had 300 yards passing yeah. before the half. Yeah, so, I mean, he was going crazy. And a lot of that, like what Jared just said, uh, to, was to Kelsey, which is the swift effect. <laughs> so um, he had 12 receptions, 179 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, it was just efficient offense, typical Mahomes. And uh, like Jared said, though, we expected this to be a quote-unquote juggernaut of a game. But, I mean, I can't remember maybe the last year, but the Chiefs always beat their division opponents. I mean, if you go yep. look at yep. Mahomes and, like, how he's played all of his opponents, which would be the Raiders, the Chargers – and the Broncos, he's like 27, probably like 30 and four now against his division opponents. So he's just absolutely, he just bullies them every time he, he gets in the same element as them. And they had 25 first downs for six of 11 on third downs. Um, you know, considering how the game was, only having to face 11 third downs, that's it's nothing. Yeah. So, uh, but I th- really think the story of the game here is that the Chiefs' defense is sneaky good. Nobody really pays attention to him because they're all worried about Mahomes and Kelsey and, you know, what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball. But the Chiefs defense has gotten better and better each year. You know, they're they're just sneaky good, and they kind of put pieces together that you don't really expect. And, they, you know, they're able to hold 
you know, Chargers defense or Chargers offense like this, which people consider electric to 17 points. And then, well, to the medical guys, not to cut you off, but to the medical guys point, uh, we said that looking back at this point in the, in the season that we would go back and say the chiefs lost to the lions. Yeah. And I think it speaks heavily to Chris Jones getting involved in that defense. And I think that changed a lot. Yeah. And you got to also remember when, you know, the, Chiefs played the uh, Lions. They didn't have Chris Jones or they didn't have Travis Kelsey. Or Kelsey, correct. So, or Swift. Uh. Or, <laughs> or the Swift effect. Yeah, or the Swift but, effect, yeah. The Swifter. Going, going back to what I was talking about, the defense going into the Chargers, I mean, Herbert was 17 of 30, right under 260, a touchdown and two interceptions. And I think that we need to talk no. about – I think it's start, probably about time we start talking about how Herbert is not as good as everybody gives him credit for um, yeah, you know, this okay. is the second game that I've watched him play one against the Cowboys and he was missing throws and then one against the Chiefs and he was missing throws. And, you know, if you're going to pay that guy that much and, you know, you're going to go get Kellen Moore, you've got Keenan Allen. Yes, Mike Williams is hurt, but you've got all these guys out there that are going to supposed to you know, help him and make him good. He's got the weapons to do it. And they just he, he, I've constantly watched him make some bad decisions or force things or, you know, miss Keenan Allen in the end zone on one play. I mean, it was Keenan Allen had a guy on a fade ball, uh, basically torched the cornerback. All Herbert had to do is lay it up to the back pylon, and he slung that thing into the stands, basically. Yeah. You just saw Keenan Allen's frustration. And it's like, you know, how much longer are we going to let him get away with, you know, how good he's supposed to be? And his team is just mere average. Granted, he plays for the Chargers, who are like basically the AFC Cowboys. They're supposed to be something every year, and then they're. I got not. a comparison for uh, for just Justin Herbert, Jay Cutler. Oh, Who's I have a better player? one. Go ahead. My, I, I have a note right here for the Chargers. Not really sure what to think of this team anymore, and Herbert, for that matter. He reminds me of a young Stafford. He's got all the talent in the world. That's good too. Uh, he's got a great arm. He's like he just is battles through injuries, but he doesn't win any games. And you know, Stafford played for the young when he was young. He played for the Lions, abysmal organization. But you know, he had put up a lot of numbers, and everybody would be like, "Oh, what would Matt Stafford do? What would Matt Stafford do?" Well, Matt Stafford left him on Super Bowl, and that's you know that's fair, but. Herbert reminds me of the same thing. As long as he plays for the Chargers, I just don't really see them going anywhere. Well, they're uh, technically the Cowboys of the of the AFC. You know, yeah, flashy, that's what I great said earlier, stadium. The AFC Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, it, and it sucks to say that, but until things yeah. change, <laughs> until but, things yeah. change, you never know. Yeah is is Justin Herbert a Jag? Just a guy now, <laughs> confirmed. I don't, I don't know if he's just a guy. I still think he's a good quarterback, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, but definitely. Like people are having, you know, in preseason and stuff, people put him up there with Mahomes and Allen and Burrow, and then you know, you ever you ask like any analyst or anybody else out there who's, you know, you know, putting their charts out for quarterbacks, they're always going to say uh, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, and then their number four is almost always. Like Herbert or Hurts or or Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, well, how? I mean, I get, you know, Burrow and Mahomes, but I'm even now questioning Allen and and Herbert now. It's like, you know, and I've got some stuff on Allen. Yeah, I I can get, 
nitty gritty with Allen too, but it's 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 a tough scene when you when you look at it that way. So and I like both of them. That's the thing. Yeah, I do too. But yeah, yeah I, I just it's, it's not looking the best for them, uh, no. or as good as they say it is. So, all right. Well, if that covers the Chargers and Chiefs, uh, obviously Kansas City thirty-one, uh, Chargers seventeen. Moving on to the Sunday night football game, Dolphins versus Eagles. Uh, Philadelphia comes out on top, thirty-one to seventeen. Um, look, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest here. I watched it out of the box score um, due to the American League Championship Series, but from what I saw on Twitter, and you know, of course, the kid watched it, so I got some notes from him. Uh, penalties seem to be a, pr- a major issue for Miami because I mean, Mike McDaniel went to Twitter to to battle his frustrations and basically was stealing from accounts, uh, vulturing from different accounts of what missed calls were out there, which was pretty impressive, honestly, uh, from Mike McDaniel. He's a young guy. He probably knows how to operate social media. Uh, but yeah, he was angry after the game uh, in disbelief of the penalties because the Eagles had none. So, and there was a lot of evidence to say that the Eagles should have had plenty, um, which I think this was the primary differentiator at a game like this. Obviously, if you're penalized, um, you're backtracking your own team and you're you're shooting yourself in the foot. Um, but on top of that, you go you you got two attack of Aloha's, two a turn the ball overs, interceptions, and um, AJ Brown just making elite playmaking ability, uh, you know, making elite plays uh, down the field. You know, he had that forty or fifty yard catch. I think it was forty two yards, which we'll get into uh, towards the end of the podcast. I got a <laughs> the heave of the week is going to be uh, our special A.J. Brown over there in Philadelphia. Um, but, yeah, I think I believe A.J. Brown is making his case as one of the top five receivers in the NFL um, yeah, this, this year. Um, and then the last thing I'll touch on with uh, Jalen Hurts is, man, he started off rocky. Uh, I think he had two turnovers in the first half, and this team is just surviving off of his uh, turnover issues, which kind of reminds me of, uh, of a parallel universe of what we had last year. Um, with the Dallas Cowboys, where Dak Prescott would go out there and throw a pick a game, and they'd still win by 15 or 20 points, and people had a problem with it. Um, and I get it. Interceptions are a concern. But we're keeping the double standards this year and attacking you know, Jalen Hurts objectively, saying that is turning over the ball an issue, an issue for Jalen Hurts this year because we've talked about it. They're escaping their identity and whatnot. Um, and, you know, from – my point of view, I think it is. I think when you get to that nitty gritty ball game in the playoffs, that those interceptions are going to count for a really good team. And uh, Miami hasn't beaten anybody good yet. Not saying they're a bad team. I think they are an excellent team, high flying offense. I think it all comes down to what quarterback is playing Tua. Um, but my question is will the Eagles or the Cowboys be? exposed in two weeks that is a, a game i i really cannot wait to watch uh i i i my gut says that the cowboys come out on top only because dak prescott owns the nfc east but we haven't seen jalen hurts and dak play with the rosters they currently have or the roster that hurts had last year but we saw yeah. Dak cook their defense so i'm interested to see that game but yeah um eagles scratch away another win they were impressive in the second half which is which is their identity but um, they're looking increasingly better, I would argue, each week. Mm, yeah, I mean, very slightly. I'm talking like slightly centimeter better. by centimeter. If yeah. you're looking at a graph, 
uh, like an exponential chart, you would need a, a, a TI-84 plus calculator to, to, to decipher whether there was a positive exponential growth. Um, yeah. But it's very, very slight. I had this on the multi-view. I was watching the Stroh's game and they just, I don't know, like the Eagles, it, it, for me, it's like what I've been saying on this podcast. Is they're, they're trying to force too much and do too much with Jalen Hurts. And I think they're getting the ball a lot to AJ Brown, which is good, but like they're, name of the game is running the ball. And like, it's, it's, it seems like every time I watch the Eagles, cause I want to watch them closely when they play Dallas, what they do is they'll get in these, they're up by seven. They're in their, you know, back 50 go coming up, driving the field. So they're like on their own 35 and Hertz turns the ball over. And I'm like, something like one of these teams has got to capitalize on it. And then, yeah. Their defense exactly. makes a stop. But that's what I was saying last year about Dallas. And that's the difference in these two situations. Like, and I said this, uh, I think, on our text group. It's like last year, the difference was we'd be up 14 and then Dak or Dak would be killing it. We'd be up 14. Dak would throw an interception. And it was like, oh, nah, well, we're up 14. That sucks. Well, it reared its ugly head when we played the 49ers. And it reared its uh, its ugly head a couple other games where we ended up losing. But that's what I'm saying about the Eagles is like one of these days that's not going to work anymore. Yeah. And Hertz's turnover issues that have become, you know, available now, it's like that, that's not going to work for very long. So I'm hoping Dallas is one of those teams that takes advantage of it eventually. And, you know, we'll find out if the Eagles can withstand that. But that I think that's troublesome for the Eagles, and that's the – positive for the Dallas for Dallas right now is we're not turning the ball over much. So um besides the 49ers game, which we don't like to talk about, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully I mean Super Bowl. <laughs> the and I think the other thing on that that you've already kind of talked about though is the penalties. The penalties were very lopsided in this game. And I, I feel like McDaniel had every right to make that point. There's a couple major turning events in the game where there was a clear hold on like the tackle for the Eagles held. And it was very evident when Hertz got the ball off on like a third down. And then there was another one where on um, a crucial third down for the Eagles, or I mean for the Dolphins, two or three to the sideline. And there was a major face mask and the ref yeah. is standing right there and they didn't call it. So yeah. I don't know how much longer they're going to be able to make that last, but we'll see. Vegas made the call. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Let's move on in. Oh, actually, before we move on, the, this is the kids' take on the Sunday night football game, and then we'll move into our tracking with the boys segment. Um, he said the Eagles bounced back from a shocking loss to the Jets. Um, defense completely shut down the run. Um, run game for the Dolphins. Hurts is turning the ball over more than usual, but he's still showing to be a franchise quarterback with stud wide receiver one, A.J. Brown. Um, so short and sweet from the kid there, but always appreciate his takes and he'll, he should be back in the pod very soon. Everybody. I know he, that boy been grinding. Um, but let's get into our NFL week eight predictions, which will transition us into tracking the boys. Um, starting us off with our predictions is the Buccaneers versus the bills. Nobody moves the wagons like the Buffalo bills. Um, uh, spread here is minus seven and a half. Excuse me. Um, so here's my thing. Josh Allen is his talent is taking him where his character 
can't sustain him. <laughs> you know, that that's the golden thing here. I know the, the, the phrase is the other way, but he's, he believes that his talent can take him where his character, uh, you know, can't sustain him, um, which is, is very telling <clears throat> to some uh, news that I have. Um, the Patriots stole one from the Bills or uh, stole one from the Bills last week, uh, which will count for something come January. So that was very damaging to the Bills um, in week seven. And this Stephon Diggs beef with uh, with Josh Allen, man, uh, I got to tell you, let me let me break it down for you here. So my man, Jason Whitlock. So he talked about this early September. This is uh prior to the start of the season, just September 5th to be exact, where he mentions, he says, Stefan Diggs, and I quote, and this is from a very credible source from within inside Jason Whitlock's, uh, Whitlock's, I guess, source group, I guess you could say. And he says that this is a fact that he's, and I'm quoting him there, but this is what I've learned. And honestly, shout out to my mom for telling me about it. I was like, he said, what? Where is this? And I went and found it. It's online. You can just search Jason Whitlock on Stefan Diggs, and I think it comes up on Fox Sports. Uh, but he has a great podcast over there. Shout out to Jason Whitlock. All right. So he says, Stefan Diggs mentioned that the reason he did not report to training camp before the 2023 season and why all the theatrics occurred was because of his complaints about Josh Allen. Diggs mentioned that Allen does not prepare like a pro, essentially not watching game film. He is never the last person to leave the facility. Diggs believes Allen should be the first one in, last one out, but he isn't, which is why you see the failures in real time during big game scenarios. And that's all paraphrased and summed up. And I think this speaks heavily to what's going on in Buffalo, uh, where we see this streaky hot team become like stone cold in a negative way uh, the next two weeks. I mean, they were one of the hottest teams beating Miami and then one of the shittiest teams when they the last two weeks. And it's because Josh Allen is is counting on his talent um, to take him the distance when a lot like Kyler Murray, your talent can't take you where you need to go. You have to put in the work like these other quarterbacks uh, who are supposedly watching film. But what we've noticed about those two quarterbacks is they're extremely talented, sure, but in the end, they're not getting the job done and we expect more. So, but to go back to my prediction for this game, I think the Bills bounce back. I think Josh Allen maybe watches 25% of the film this week and gets back on track. 26 to 16 Bills, they cover the spread versus the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. That's an interesting take on Josh Allen. I haven't heard that. I, I'm surprised I missed it. And I, I'm a fan of Jason Whitlock, and I was like, when did he say that? And it's public knowledge. It's all right there. Credible source. I was like, this is huge. Why are we not talking about this? Yeah, Josh. And like, I think a lot of people, I mean, you've heard him on podcasts and stuff. He's a really cool guy. Like I like him, but I, I do think that he's kind of still riding off that chiefs bills game and the NFC championship a couple years ago. And, you know, ever since then he hasn't really played, to the level that everybody, you know, puts him at when he plays these big teams. And, you know, I think that also just goes to show how hard it is to play quarterback in the NFL. And a lot of people get the pass and a lot of people, Dak, don't get the pass. So, 
you know, I think it just goes to show that it's not easy and I don't care how good you are. You have to prepare accordingly. And I think that's why Mahomes is so good is because, I mean, you saw, if you've watched quarterback, you see that Mahomes is one of those guys that prepares and prepares all day, every day. I mean, he sleeps, eats and, or eats and, and breathes it. So, yeah. And let the record state, I don't know for sure if that statement is true. These are purely rumors, shatter the script rumors, if you will. And I love Josh Allen. I think he's a sick dude. I think he's a – I love watching him on Busting with the Boys, not to glaze him. But, I mean, the dude's awesome. I love the guy. Yeah. Juco I mean, guy. So. Yeah, it's just like I think the best way to explain him is like like I've kind of taken this a little bit from another podcast, but he's a button masher. Like he, he's a button masher in Madden where he just kind of – like there's times that he just freaks out and hits A. And, you know. <laughs> that can that can pay off sometimes, or that can end up in an interception that makes you want to throw your control. So yeah, um, yeah. But moving on, we'll go into my prediction. Uh, I have the Bengals and 49ers Sunday three twenty-five. Uh, the 49ers are favored in this game. Obviously, I'm sure the line moved a little bit, but I have that they were minus five and a half before. The Monday or the 49ers uh, atrocity of a game yesterday. Yeah. Where they lost the, the Vikings. But, you know, I think this one's going to be an interesting game. You know, the Bengals are last in their division right now. They're three and three, but they are on the come up. I mean, they're starting to look like the Bengals. They've been known in past years to start off really slow at the beginning of the season. And then they just click and they win 12, 13 games in a row. Now, I'm not saying that's always sustainable, but the Bengals are looking good. And they're coming off a bye, so if that will, if Burrow is still hurt, which I'm not really believing that anymore, I think he's kind of back to you know same Burrow. Yeah. Then he had time to recover and get right. But um, the Niners have struggled in the last two weeks. Purdy has played pretty decent at the beginning, but uh, these last two weeks he has not looked good. I mean, I watched that no. game last night on Multi View, and I finally after the Rangers started. Uh, unleashing or unreleasing the the nukes from <laughs> Minute Maid Park. I, I flipped over to the Monday Night Football game, and uh, I must say, Purdy did not look good at at all. So he threw two absolutely nasty interceptions that were really hard to watch. And it, it, the second one was them having the ball with like a minute left in the game, trying to get down the field. Uh, they were down five, and he. Like I've been saying, when you rattle Brock Purdy, he he loses his footwork and he just kind of throws the ball out to where he thinks it goes. That's exactly what happened on that play. If you go watch his second interception to end the game, Brock Purdy steps back. Like you can see him freak out a little yeah. bit. Cutters rolls up and he just launched the ball. Now his over receiver is supposed to come, come over the middle. But his receiver was not even close to there yet. So he hurried his throw, threw it right to the safety, game over. Uh, in terms of this game, I, for some reason, really uh, – I think the Bengals are going to yeah. win this game. And they're going to be playing at the 49ers. I think the 49ers are going to be pissed off. But I just have a feeling that, that it's going to come down to quarterback play. And I just, for some reason, think that the Bengals end up winning this game – 24 to 13 yeah. and it's it's gonna really throw a loop in in the in the nfl world people are gonna start questioning the 49ers i don't think and they're the cowboys. That, 
<laughs> yes, but I mean, let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, 49ers have dropped two. Did you hear any media today talking about the 49ers? I remember another team dropped a game to uh, a bad a bad team, uh, like the Cardinals, I believe. I think we, we lost to them. We threw a game, and, oh, man, the media went wild. Went like Everybody they, put a gun to her head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then you got the the Vikings, who have played horribly this entire year. Kirk Cousins go off, go out, goes out there on primetime without Justin Jefferson and cooks the 49ers. Yeah. I mean, that dude was on one. Kirko Chang's baby. But yeah, um I want to say that the Bengals win this game. I yeah. do. And they're That's unlucky. why I'm taking them. Yeah, I really do think that the Bengals come out and win this thing. They're unlucky because they're playing a very pissed off 49ers team. But Brock Purdy has been a completely different quarterback without his arsenal of weapons, which is true for any quarterback. But what we see now is just a guy. I mean, he he's freaking out in the pocket from what I've seen. I mean, I've, I've always said that he is the luckiest quarterback in the league and that a lot of his passes should be intercepted. And they, I was just waiting for a team to capitalize on it. Um, and this was the game, the Vikings of all people. I'm confident that the Bengals can make this a game. And my primary reason for that is because Joe Burrow is excellent against good teams from yeah. what I can remember. He, he always steps it up against those tough opponents. So I hope the Bengals do it. T Higgins is coming back this week as well. He's fully healthy. Jamar Chase mixing the whole crew. So hopefully they go 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven always open, baby. And uh, T E Higgins. Um, all right. Well, Vikings Packers. Speaking of uh speaking of the Vikings, Vikings versus Packers, a NFC North divisional game at noon on Sunday. Um, the spread was minus one and a half um as of yesterday. So hopefully that didn't change either after the Vikings beat the, the 49ers. I would assume the Vikings are favorites now. Um, the Vikings should win this game. This is division rivalry, so it could go either way, like most division rivalries go. On paper, the Vikings are, are a better team. Um, you know, it's a high-powered offense with a high-powered offensive coach uh, versus a very balanced Green Bay and a very, very young Green Bay team, which I think we're learning as the season goes on, is they've got a lot of young players. There's not a lot of vet veteran presence over there. I think one of the oldest guys on their roster offensively, you know, Bakhtiar is not even playing anymore, um, is Aaron Jones. So – and he's still a pretty young guy. Uh, so this team's got a lot of potential for the next three, four years. Um, and they could be built into something, into a dynasty for sure, if they keep their guys. Uh, but I see the the Vikings coming out here and, you know, Cousins has been looking efficient. Um, I think Love tosses a decent game, but he's been having trouble with those interceptions. I think Hawkinson has a big game. And I think if Green Bay's – Players, skill players step up. They have a chance. They haven't shown any signs that they are. Uh, but I've got the Vikings in a close one, 20 to 16. Um, and Vikings are back to four and four, looking like they could, you know, possibly overthrow the division or get close to, you know, the playoffs. Um, and what a what a shattered the script moment for the Minnesota Vikings so they can pull this one out as well. 
Yeah, they were. It's funny that we were just talking about the Vikings earlier. They were talking about how they should trade for Kirk Cousins, blow up the organization, you know, <laughs> figuring out what they can do to 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 change their outlook on maybe next year and just kind of throwing the towel on this year. But right, I don't know. They after that one against the 49ers, I'm sure that organization is looking a little little differently on the outlook. So who knows? Uh, there's also been some. I've heard some rumors that, you know, with the Packers, people are trying to wonder if Matt, if Matt LaFour is the problem or is it Jordan Love? And uh, Jordan Love's been there for four years under Matt LaFour, and everybody's kind of giving him, like, this is his rookie season. Well, he's been in the league for four years. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Packers maybe decide to move on from him. But I think that will be an interesting game. Yeah, I agree. And our last Monday night football game of the week, uh, is the Lions versus the Raiders? Um, any quick predictions for this one? I'm not uh, I think in this game, but no, I think the Lions, you know, bounce back, and I think they beat the beat the Raiders by 14 plus. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think this will be much of a game. I agree. I mean, I, I think Detroit gets back on track here. Uh, yeah, I think this was their flute game, and luckily it was against a good team like like the Ravens. Doesn't look too bad on paper. Um, yeah. So, all right, tracking the boys segment. Um, Cowboys versus the Rams, three twenty-five on Fox. This is our, this is the game we've been waiting for. The the ALCS is over, and we're back to square one with our diehard Dallas Cowboys. All right, five and two, Cowboys, and the Rams at three and four. Well, let's start with our keys to success, and I want to start with the kids' take here. Um, to kind of summarize and get us kick-started. Um, Dallas has a tough matchup versus Cooper Cup this week. Um, obviously, the, the defense will need to get Stafford uh, get to Stafford quick so he can't hit his favorite target and new rookie wide receiver, Puka Nakua. And the Rams will be a good game for Dallas, who's coming off the bye week. Um, Dallas should win this game 20-17 to 17 if Dak is efficient. Um, and that's kind of his summarization of, of the upcoming game versus the Rams. Well, let's start with the offensive keys to success here. Um, obviously, wanna, there are a few ways that Dallas can get on track heading into Philadelphia after this next um, opponent. And there's definitely some things that we needed to work on after that Chargers game, specifically with offensive play calling. Um, but what are your keys to, to success offensively in this game for the Dallas Cowboys? Yeah, for me, as uh, the offensive line, uh, you know, we we had some conversations uh, off off the mic about how the offensive line didn't look too great in that game. And uh, if we didn't have Dak against Chargers, we we would have been in trouble. Dak was uh, pretty mobile, uh, and he was able to make plays with his feet, which is um, something we've been calling for for a long time. But not only just like his read option run that he had, but him extending plays, getting out of the pocket making sure that, you know, finding Pollard for that long 65-yard run that he had uh, or 65-yard pass and then pass catch and run after the catch. But for me, it's going to be the offensive line in the running game. I would like to see Dallas, and I'm a big advocate of the pass, I always have been. First down pass is something I love and play action. But yeah. in order for those to work efficiently, you got to have some type of running game. And Dallas has not had that much of a running game uh, the last two games. And – I'm not sure if that stems from, you know, the offensive line not, not playing together much. You know, this is the first time um, 
and since I think 2021, since their line has like been fully healthy and actually playing together. Which is so nuts. I'm really hoping that Dallas comes out of the bye, has figured out, you know, hey, we need to get some type of running game going to at least help Dak because, you know, any good quarterback besides Mahomes, oddly enough, and I don't know if you can even say this anymore, but, you know, they have some type of running game. And you know, that's where Dallas, I think, needs to start against the Rams. And uh, the second one for me is, Find C.D. Lamb and find him often and keep Cooks involved. Get get your playmakers that are your best. Like, I mean, against the Chargers, Dak was 12 of 12 throwing to Cooks. and Even better. Early 16. in the game. Yeah. 16 or 16. Yeah. And then when he would throw to Michael Gallup, it was like 0 for 45. So it's like <laughs> keep those guys involved. Get Jacob, you know, get Lamb at least eight targets. Get Cooks, I would say six. And, you know, I think – that will be the key to success for Dallas. I, I think they will score points, and I think the Rams uh, are a good football team. But I think Dallas's offense is efficient enough that they can they can figure out how to how to win this game. Yeah, and all good points there. And to kind of counter up what you're saying as well, and uh, my my key to success in this game is well, for one, protect the football. And we need to convert in the red zone. And and I think this comes with being anti-conservative on offense. And Dak was cooking last game. And it still seemed like we had him on sort some sort of a leash where we were, you know, dare I say it, afraid to make a mistake with the offensive game plan. And I don't want to say create this offense to get too out of control. But like we mentioned before in the preseason, it needs to be a controlled chaos. If this is just a, a hybrid offense, um, you know, kind of to counter off of Kellen Moore from last year, and it's it's it should be a controlled chaos. It's like bang, bang, bang. All right, settle. You know, like like you said, up by 14. You know, we don't want to make a stupid mistake here and continue to push the ball, and all of a sudden we throw an interception. That's nonsense. Um, but, yeah, I, I think – this game would go in our favor if we target our best assets in the end, in the end zone. This is something that we just haven't really done a good job of, but really even tried um, in previous games. I think if we got an 88 out there that's worth the crap, which he is, you need to throw him some jump balls, um, get Cooks in open space, get him running those short yardage routes, uh, get your tight ends involved, even though I understand that they've dropped a lot in the end zone. But Ferguson – I think I still think is being slept on. I think he's a pretty decent tight end. He can produce, um, especially in the red zone. Um, and I think we need to cash in on opportunities created by the defense because I believe, and I'll get into it more in depth in a minute, that the defense will create a lot of offensive opportunities for us in this game. They seem to have had uh, Matthew Stafford's number in the past. But like you mm -hmm. said, um, Lamb and Cooks, I'm hoping they are the leading wide receivers in this game with targets, with yards, catches, um, Cooks needs to get rolling. Uh, the second that Cooks get rolling, I'm seeing a massive offensive productive game. Um, and obviously, like you mentioned again, which I have written down as my notes, um, you know, the O-line is healthy after the bye. And this is, you know, the first time in a, over, you know, uh, two seasons that we've gotten to see them play with one another. So hopefully they've learned from the, uh, the Chargers game and the bye week to kind of rotate and communicate with one another at the line, especially going against an opponent like Aaron Donald, um i hope i i hope he is playing i hope i'm not wrong that he's like hurt or something i haven't really paid much attention to aaron donald i haven't he's really even heard there. i was gonna say i haven't even heard his name which is odd which is why i wanted to say that pollard is could be due for a solid game on the ground 
if and only if we are utilizing outside the box runs. That is where Pollard thrives, not up the gap. And there's no sense in in running uh you know, you're running back straight at the middle to the best defensive tackle in football. I say you run them outside and to the left to your best two offensive linemen um, statistically this year. I know Zach Martin's out there, but he's kind of been banged up. Hopefully he's all right after the bye. But Tyler Smith has been an animal. And, you know, comboing Baez and Tyler Smith on uh, Aaron Donald and Tyron Smith outside is what could be legendary for Pollard for a big run. Um, so those are my keys uh, to success for the offense. Transitioning to the defense, however. Yeah, hey, before your... we do that, I, I was just going to give you one. You talked a lot about the offensive line there, and I just yeah. want to give you a little tidbit of what Tyron Smith said after the game with the Chargers. I was listening to uh, you know, Locked On Cowboys podcast on Monday or Tuesday. Marcus after Mosher, baby. Yeah, after the uh, Chargers game. And he was talking a lot about what um, – or sorry, talking Cowboys, not Locked On Cowboys. But uh, that's – they were talking a lot about one of the reporters at John Machota, one of the guys we talk a lot about. Yeah. But uh, he was he's always going to the games and he always interviews players after the games. And he was talking to Tyron Smith, asking him what they were going to focus on going into the bye week. And uh, he mentioned that, you know, hey, we, we didn't play that great against the Chargers. He's like, if you go watch what we did and how we played, he's like, we're, we're a better offensive line group than that. And he was really saying that, you know, going into the bye week, they were going to focus on fundamentals. They're going to focus on, you know, getting their hands in the right places, getting their feet set up when they're, you know, taking guys to the outside. Or, you know, one of the guy, one of the guys that struggled a lot and has been really good for us was Tyler, Tyler Smith. And that's what he was kind of referring to. It's like, we got to get our hands right. We got to get our feet right. You know, for us, it's not about uh, executing the play. It's about executing the fundamentals. And that sounds like such a veteran statement. But coming from Tyron Smith, who's been so dominant, you know, for years and years, I think that just speaks volumes of, like, being a former offensive lineman, I know exactly what he's talking about. I mean, one little miscue right. with your feet, and you get caught by a defensive lineman or, or a twister, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm, I'm out. And you, you got to right. lean on somebody. So, I mean, I think this is a, a good get-right game for the offensive line, and I think that's what I'm hoping. That's why I said my key was O-line. But I'm hoping that he he's right and they get back to the basics and especially Terrence Steele. I haven't really liked what I've seen out of Terrence Steele for the contract we gave him. Yeah, he's been his, his feet has his feet have been all over the place. And that's what I'm talking about with Ty, or Tyron Smith. He's he's saying our whole offensive line's gotta be one unit, our whole fundamental has gotta be one unit. And if we wanna see Pollard get active, we gotta get active. So, you know, credit to to, to Tyron for you know, saying, "Hey, fundamentals are key, and if we want to win games, like we got to we got to stick to the fundamentals here." So yeah, and a little tidbit on Terrence Steele, and I this is just out of curiosity. I wonder if his injury is having any effect on you know his progress throughout the year. Maybe you know it's one of those Gallup things where it's you know uh, not too good this year, then the next year it's like okay, well, there's kind of the normal Gallup that we see. So maybe it is an injury issue. Um, nonetheless, I'm just happy Terrence Steele has been uh, been relatively healthy um, to you know to start the first couple of weeks of the season. But yeah, um, transitioning into the defense here, you know, and I'll start us off on this side. Uh, my my primary thing going into this game, and this is this is a huge proponent, obviously, of our team and our and where our defense thrives, not only with turnovers but getting pressure to the quarterback. Um, when Stafford gets pressure, when, when Stafford gets pressured. Um, I think he makes very costly mistakes, and it's it's translated over the years with him 
He's always been a gunslinger. Um, mm-hmm. And once the Rams say that, I'm gonna say once the Rams get in that heave mode, you know the D line not only is going to feast, but so is the secondary because Stafford will make a mistake if that happens. It's going to happen. And not only that, if he's he's not mobile. And one of the things that Dallas really does well is sack unmobile quarterbacks. They they struggle all the time, all the time. And like uh, to the medical guy, medical guy complains about it all the time. And it's and it's so true. We suck against dual threat quarterbacks. It is we make Mitchell Trubisky look like you know uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, the, the Lions quarterback. I think a year or two ago ran all over us and he was like a practice squad guy. i mean you got this year josh dobbs he's considered dobbs. dual threat now and he you know they run it's like what i was saying before the cardinals game is that they run an rpo offense and it's meant for kyle murray but like those dual threat guys like that in an rpo offense they seem to kill the cowboys i don't know what it is but <laughs> they just seem it's to so make the, make the cowboys you know second guess everything but it goes back to pinning your hair back and saying i'm gonna i'm i'm going you know Balls to the wall on this quarterback. And I think that's where Dallas is best. Kind of what you're saying is, you know, those pocket guys, they're they're good at getting there, but they're for some reason they have a lot of trouble containing, you know, yeah. dual threat uh guys with legs. So in my opinion on Stafford is is like perfect if, to hear if you're an edge player, is that he doesn't get the ball out very fast. He's always looking for that middle over the field deep shot. And I don't care if he throws it to the line of scrimmage to the boundary. He can do that all day long. You can find Higby for nine catches for 36 yards. Like, I don't care. As, as long as you eliminate the white boy factor over the middle of the field. Yeah. You know, so uh, – and the last thing I'll say uh, for this is Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman, they've got to be neutralized. You know, Mozzie, Osa, and D-Law have got to be proprietors in the, the run-stopping ability because – you know, obviously they're not that great of running backs. And if they run all over us, it's just going to benefit their off benefit. It's going to be a beneficiary to their offense heavily in this game. And I don't see it happening, but if it did happen like CJ Anderson in the playoffs a couple of years ago, you know, it, it'll, it'll make it infuriating to watch. Cause you're like, why in the hell is Daryl Henderson um, and Royce Freeman run all over us, which speaks volumes to Jan ways returning and Marquise bell. Uh, those guys have been uh, elemental in the run game so far. So yeah, those are my, uh, those are my, uh, also one last thing, sorry. Yanway and bell returning also provides more snaps for Parsons at edge. Cause I know he's been kind of a hybrid player in the linebacker slot. We need him yep. at edge as much as possible, but yep. yeah, that's my, that's my keys to success on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Well, you kind of took from my notes, but that was mine was Marquise bell. Shit. Uh, dude, <laughs> dude has been balling out for us and he is, you know, it, it, it just speaks to Dan Quinn finding guys that are, you know, not well-known, but they fit his scheme. You know, Marquise Bell was a undrafted free agent, and he's he typically played safety. But in this scheme for Dan Quinn, he's playing that what you call like a rover safety, which is kind of what uh, Jamal Adams or, – or sorry, Earl Thomas played for the Seahawks when uh, Dan Quinn had the Legion of Boom. We always kind of mention that, but that's very important because that's where Dan Quinn thrives for his defense is having that third quote unquote linebacker, but he's really a safety and he's just so fast and gets a, gets 
you know, fills the holes of the, of the offensive line fast because he's he's essentially a safety. He so, reminds me of like a 12th man principle that AM has. Yeah. You know, get him, get you a, a, a dog and a fighter and throw him in on special teams, and he knows he's going to give you 120% effort. And yeah. that's kind of what Dan Quinn has and and Marquise Bell. Yeah. And then another guy for that, for us, is like that is Donovan Wilson. But for yeah. going back to what I'm talking about for the defensive keys is stopping their running game and then keeping keeping Cooper Cup and Nakua at bay in terms of, you know, that's going to, we're going to have to really rely on Bland again to have a good game against Cooper Cup. Cause I, I think the Cowboys will probably put Bland on Cup and we'll put Gilmore on Nakua. Just that's kind of my guess. I just have a feeling that they feel like Bland will cover Cup at a, at a better rate than, than Gilmore, than just Gilmore, because yeah. Gilmore's age is probably going to affect them a little bit, but you know, I'm okay with that. As long as we keep Cup at bay, not letting him get to those, like you're speaking on, or you know, Stafford's really good at hitting the middle of the field. He's like the uh, he's like the anti Russell Wilson for me. <laughs> Stafford is really good at hitting the middle of the field, and that's what makes him so good. Is yeah. and that's why him and Cooper Cup work so well together. Is Cooper Cup is an in route specialist, slants, digs, uh, crossers, and that's why he was able to make Nakua work while Cup was out. Is that Nakua is also the same way. He doesn't have, like, you know, the days of uh, Megatron is over where he's launching the ball down, down the boundary. But right. he's, he's elevated his game by throwing those little passes. So it's really going to rely on our on Marquise Bill in the running game. But really our safeties and our linebackers are going to have to step up covering the middle of the field as well as, as Bland. So I, I'm not worried about our pass rush. I think our pass rush will – We'll do good. I don't think we'll have a problem with that, but we'll, you know, I'm excited to see the Cowboys back on my TV on Sunday. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, bye weeks always suck. Um, and it's good to have him back on the TV, like you said. Um, so, yeah, let's get into our predictions for this game. You know, I, I've, I've got the, I don't know what the spread is, but I've got the Cowboys 31, the Rams 23. Um, and my mamas don't let you Cowboys is mamas don't let your cowboys let the white boy uh the white boy rams cook uh big place from Nakua and cut will keep the rams balanced you know make the average rams look average so mamas don't let the white boy rams cook um 31 23 cowboys yeah to speak on the uh the spread of the game it's minus six and a half dallas which i think is a good line i think that's about right um my prediction on the game is I see Dallas winning like 28-17, something like that. I, I, I feel like Dallas – it's a high score for Dallas, but I feel like, you know, they come out of the bye week with a little bit more pop on the offensive side of the ball, scheming for CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. But my mom was don't like your Cowboys speaks to everything I said about Tyron Smith and the offensive line earlier. It's, mom was don't let your Cowboys not run the football. And um, I think we looked good throwing against the Chargers, but a lot of people have. So, I mean, that speaks to Mahomes this past Sunday. Um, I want to see the Cowboys get some kind of running game going with Pollard. I feel like that will make Dallas just twice as effective. And, uh, you know, it goes for any quarterback. I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, Dak can do it all on his own. We've said that a million times. Um, any quarterback that has an effective run game, I mean, you just look at Jared Goff and what they're doing with David Montgomery and, you know, they – any any quarterback that has some type of run game is good, and that, that's a good thing. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna fret him on that. So I, I just want to see Dallas start 
open up a little, get creative in the run game, maybe some powers and stuff. Cause everything we've seen has just been an HB dive right up Biotis's ass. So I'm ready to see something maybe outside the guards for once, not even the tackles, just outside the guards. Exactly. And that that would, that would change the game for, for Dallas. So again, I said 28, 17 Dallas, I expect a win on Sunday and, uh, a good win going into the nitty gritty filthy. So the, the city of brotherly love. <laughs> Not really. Not city really. Of trash. All right. Well, back to back guesses on a Dallas dub. Hopefully we both follow through on that. And now we've got our two minute drill. And this is normally hosted by the medical guy and the analyst. Of course, the medical guy was on the previous four or five episodes. And finally, we get the analyst back which I'm sure you have a plethora of statistics to go through for your analytical analysis um, of the past couple of weeks on your two-minute drill. So I'll give you the mic, and I'll follow up with you with some uh, of uh, the medical guys' DB list candidates. All righty. Well, here we are back to the two-minute drill, the analytical two-minute drill. Um, Let me pull this up real quick. I'll make it short and sweet this week. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on and I'm going to add somebody right at the end, but um, I'm going to start off with Jonathan. My ankle hurts. Just kidding. I just want more money, but in reality, I don't want to play for the Colts. Oh wait, just kidding. I do now because we are kind of good and shit. Now Anthony Richardson is hurt. Taylor, uh, he is back. So uh, they lost exactly. this game. But ta- yeah, exactly. Perfect. Exactly. Uh, oh shit. Long. We're good. I'll play. Oh, fuck. oh shit. <laughs> Anthony Richardson's hurt? What am I going to do now? It's your dark magic. Hell no, I'm out. So uh, they lost this game, but Taylor looked pretty electric. I don't know if anybody watched this, but he he was he was flying. And, you know, people forget he's only 24. He was still a young talent. Looking for a contract, kind of like I mentioned in his nickname, but he, he looked pretty good. 18 for 75 and a tutty with four catches and 45 yards in the air. Um, next up, we've got Lamar. Achievement unlocked. Pocket passer ability, uh, Jackson. He uh, <laughs> finally learned how to throw in the pocket. Uh, people don't know the kind of music. Uh, you don't play Xbox. You don't understand the yeah. I just made. So, But he torched the Lions 21 of 27, 357 yards, three touchdowns, and 36 yards on the ground. And uh, shout out to Zay Flowers. He found some hands in the locker room on a side quest. Oh, shit. Uh, there they are. <laughs> so... Uh, next, you've got AJ. Throw me the ball. I've got problems. Brown. Big game for the Eagles. Ten receptions, 137 yards, and a touchdown. This is his fifth straight game with 125 plus, which ties Megatron's record. Dude is completely balling right now. And then uh, we've mentioned the stats earlier. I had Mahomes and Kelsey. The Mahomes era with Taylor Swift. Uh, they balled out. Like I said earlier, Mahomes, 424 yards, four touchdowns an interception, and then Kelsey, 12 receptions, 179 yards. I know a lot of fantasy owners are finally happy to see him getting back on track. And then uh, my last guy that I had on here, but I'm going to add one more after the game I watched on Monday, I had Alvin catches cases and checkdowns. Kamara, he had 12 receptions, 91 yards. He might break the catching record in the Saints offense. Hurts my eyes. It is so bad to watch. You know, you've got Jared mentioned it earlier, but you've got all these weapons, and you seem can only find you can only find or Carr can only find natural throw of the football. Uh, Derek Carr can only find Alvin Kamara in the flat. It's ridiculous. Natural so, thrower of the checkdown. 
Yeah. That's right. Uh, my next <laughs> stat is uh, Jordan Addison, the USC Trojan, had a major game against the 49ers. Uh, 12, I think he had 12 receptions, 103 yards, and a touchdown. He got hurt late in that game and came back in and made another phenomenal catch on third down. Uh, he was balling. And uh, for a lot of people that slept on him during the draft, I have him in two or three of my leagues, and it's paying off as a trade target. So he is – He's a baller, so I'm, I'm ready to see what he does. And then on the flip side of that, I mentioned him earlier, Brock um, – Jared called him Brock Jag Purdy, just a guy. He really struggled in his last two games. He's not looked good, had two interceptions against the Vikings. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to see a kink in that armor for the 49ers that Dallas wasn't able to uh, – Expose it, but uh, there have been a couple teams that have found the formula. So he also had probably the easiest um, touchdown pass to McCaffrey I've ever seen. He literally just threw a swing route, and then McCaffrey just jogged into the end zone. So don't let people tell you that he throws the ball downfield, although he has this year a little bit. And then I just have some stat leaders, a uh, quick update on who's leading in some categories in the NFL as of week seven, you have Tua leading the NFL in uh, passing yards with uh, right around 2K. He has 2,092 yards. Kirk at number two with 2,057, which is a shocker. Mahomes has uh, 2,017, and Stafford has 1,908, followed by Goff at number five at 1,902. And then some interesting rushing leaders for uh, – through week seven, you have McCaffrey number one, no shock there, about 600 yards. But Zach Moss, I mentioned Jonathan Taylor earlier. Zach Moss is second in the league right now in rushing with 523 yards, which is just weird to think about now that Taylor's back. It's kind That's of crazy. awkward, and I don't know what you know that, that makes uh, Jonathan Taylor's contract that they gave him look kind of bad. And then DeAndre Swift, uh, as my friend Ian says, he was an absolute. Uh, P word on the on the Lions and everybody kind of counted him out, but the Eagles have made him look really good. And then you've got uh Tiani, who's been a fantasy football god over this last seven weeks at number four. And then just to round off the seeding, you got Hill at one, Brown at two, Puka, Nakua, aka Coop, Cooper, or uh, sorry, not Cooper, Cooper Cup Jr. at three. Uh, irritated with Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs at number four, and uh, shockingly, the guy I traded in week one in my fantasy league, uh, DJ Moore at number five. So yeah, that's where we lead in terms of statistical analysis. And usually, I would bring up a Russell Wilson pass chart, but he won on uh, one on Sunday, and I don't really feel like walking through the fact that the Denver Broncos are now one in what six. So yeah, 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 atrocity. They beat the Packers, but you know who cares. Uh, you're supposed to do that if you're a $60 million quarterback like Russell Wilson. Um, but I have a new nickname for Brock Purdy, and it's not G-A-G or J-A-G. It's J-A-C, just a Christian. Um, <laughs> so, and all just, power to, all power to God. Yeah, just yeah. just a Westerner. He's from the Midwest. Yeah, J-A-O, just an Orthodox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into the, the DB list, the down bad list. This is uh, taking over for the medical guy here. He had a couple candidates on there, and they're all related. Um, number one, well, actually, we'll start with number four on the DB list, is Kyle Tucker in the playoffs. Absolute <laughs> booty cheeks. 
Ass in, I don't even, yeah, he's ass. Cal Tucker in the playoffs. Number three, Houston Astros playoff teams with home field advantage. <laughs> ass. Completely lost all four games at home. And number two, Chaz McCormick, after taking a 104 billion miles per hour fastball to the leg. That hurts. Uh, that uh, that boy could barely. Uh, he, I think he was walking to first just out of pride. Like, yeah, I could, it's get one of those hurt me. Yeah, it's one of those like, don't rub it. You can't rub it. You know, one of those. He, old... I don't think he did. Shout out to Chaz. I don't. I don't think he. I, I remember him sitting there with his knuckle down home plate, and he was just. You could hear the grunts on TV, and I was <laughs> like, uh, that. I thought it was intentional. I thought that was like, dude, his fastest pitch that he's thrown on clock this whole series goes straight into the in inner thigh of Chaz McCormick. Yeah, whatever. Um, Chapman wanted his revenge, and little did he know we he got him. We yeah, he may have gotten it, but we hit his ass that whole series. We we were not wanting to pitch Adolis uh, Chapman or whatever. Aroldis. Um, number one. Houston Astros fans, you know, specifically those who are trying to cope with losing by talking foolishly about the Rangers winning. Um, like the fact that uh, the Rangers bought their way into the World Series. Yeah. Give a shit. <laughs> the Rams did the same thing in 2021 and we're, we're praised for it because it takes GMs to win Super Bowls. Uh, but yeah, shout out to the DB list. Yeah, to add on to that, he's totally right. I've seen some really stupid Astro slander, and it's just like, look, we lost. It's fine. Like, it's it happens. It sucks. You know, nobody wants to lose. It's like the Cowboys losing to the Eagles, the NFC Championship. It's the worst. But, like, that doesn't mean you start going after the – well, I would go after the other team. But, like, that doesn't mean you start talking about, like, the salary cap and stuff. And it's like, well – they just hit that. So right, yeah. It, that's, that's it. So yeah, yeah. It sucks. It sucks. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, but not for you, but this is about the only time in our lives where I'm sitting across from you, line drawn in the sand, where we're not cheering for the same team. Yeah, so. mean mugging, got a nasty look on your face, and you know, like saying things you don't mean, you know, like we're gonna draw a line in the sand, you know. Uh, yeah, well, let's hopefully we doesn't get too hostile moving forward. Uh, but we got the kids picks up next and this is obviously the kids gig, but he was able to provide me some of his three player props for the upcoming week eight. Now he's got two Thursday night football candidates up here, and that's probably because the props on prize picks are not fully up for the upcoming week. Um, so pay attention towards the end of the week and he'll he'll most likely throw some stuff on the story. Uh, that dude's always betting the massive degenerate. Shout out to the kid. But here we go. Thursday night football, Dalton Kincaid. Dawson Knox was out. And I believe he's getting surgery over 36 and a half receiving yards versus Tampa Bay. I think that's a pretty, pretty solid bet there. Um, Mike Evans over. 62 and a half receiving yards is coming off a pretty good um, game in week seven. He should continue that in week eight. And of course the big dog, he's going to continue rolling over 66 and a half rush yards for Brees Hall um, on Sunday versus the giants at noon. So there you go. Brees Hall over 66 and a half rushing yards, Mike Evans over 62 and a half receiving yards and Dalton Kincaid over 36 and a half 
receiving yards. And of course, Dusty Baker, you are not seeing heaven. So <laughs> that concludes kids' yeah, picks. They, yeah, they need to get rid of him. Yeah, my God. Well, he already stepped away. Well, they're. I thought they were talking about him stepping away, that he's voiced that this is his last season, but it hasn't been official that he's no, not. I don't he's know. He's voiced to people inside and outside the organization that 2023 was going to be his last year. I so mean, I don't think it's would, been officially announced, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. I would die laughing if he got his old ass to the press box and was like, or to the press conference and sat there and he goes, it's it. I'm taking the latex gloves off. And it's like... <laughs> Just I'm taking the mask off and the yeah. latex gloves. He leaves his COVID mask, his N95, his latex gloves, like, perfectly laid out on home plate. <laughs> <Everybody's>... <laughs> I would immediately cough in his face after that. Just, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Dusty. Uh, but, yeah, Mattress Matt uh, and Dusty <laughs> Baker. Um, yeah, that, that's another one you got to add to the list. His mattress yeah. Mac is down, yeah, tremendously, tremendously right bad, uh, uh, financially and well, uh, spiritually. I, nobody yeah. talks about it, but that's how he does his stuff. Is he gets he does this whole Astros promo like I come down to McGowan Furniture and if you the Astros won World Series, you get free furniture. And, but then what he does is he goes and bets. Like he goes and hedges bets the house, bets his company yeah. on the Astros. So like what he goes and hedges his bets. So he goes and puts like $2 million or $5 million there on the Astros. And then if the Astros win, all that furniture is free, but he just won a massive bet. But then if right. the Astros lose, he loses his bet. Now everybody's got to pay for that damn furniture. So, <laughs> hey, come on down, back down to gather furniture and pay for your shit. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. The, yeah. And come on down and let me see your credit card information. What's the security code on the back? All right. Thank you. Madness <laughs> Matt, come down. Everybody here. make your way down to I-45 right here on gather furniture. And yeah. we're going to make sure those credit card machines are working. You're going to pay full interest. You got me? So, Welcome to Gallery Furniture. We're going to actually let the monkeys loose this time. So watch. If you're not from Texas, to clarify, there are actually monkeys in Gallery Furniture. So. Yes. <laughs> All right. So it actually, I got lost in Gallery Furniture one time. Um, that shit sucked. Um, it's a massive place. He's got, he literally got stadium lights. Um for his uh, parking lot lights in the, anyway, mattress Mac, but uh, the Rooks looks, let's get into them. Um, did a little better this week, honestly, but I'll give you a little recap of week seven of what um, the Rooks looks were looking like. Um, here we go. I told you guys to start Christian Watson, Green Bay wide receiver. Uh, he played like dog crap. And I think that speaks more to jo uh, Jordan Love. He only had five targets, three catches for 27 yards, and a loss to Denver and a partners in a pair of trees. So 5.70 PPR points for Christian Watson. Sorry, guys. Um, start Christian uh, Christian Kirk, Jacksonville wide receiver. 19 PPR points for you guys. Six out of six receptions, 90 yards, and a touchdown compared to Ridley's one reception for five yards, which I know is a disappointment for some people. But this is kind of why I put this bet out there, um, the Christian-to-Christian -Christian connection. Um, and – like I said last week, man-to-man -man coverage, very consistent, high-end wide receiver too, and, you know, he finished right at that spot. So um, I told everybody to sit Kirk Cousins, and I think most people probably did. I'd love to see the statistics on his start percentage this week, but, uh, man, this dude went off. Um, I believe he had over 20 uh, PPR points in fantasy. He played incredible without Jetta, so props to Kirk Cousins. 
would have never saw that coming. I think 10 out of 10 times I would have said bench Kirk Cousins that game. Uh, sit James Cook. I was wrong on this one as well. Uh, <laughs> 19.20 PPR points, 13 rushes, 56 yards, three catches, 26 yards, and a touchdown. Kind of a little jack of all trades. The touchdown really helped James Cook there. But if you're in a PPR league, it really helped you out with his uh, receptions and touchdown there. Um, and then the sleeper of the week uh, ended up, you know, producing pretty well for everybody. Kareem Hunt, the Cleveland running back, 15.1 PPR points, 10 rushes, 31 yards, but he had two touchdowns. So props to Kareem Hunt, the woman beater. Uh, so going into week A, here we go. Pittsburgh offense. This is a revamped offense since they got Deontay Johnson back. They ended up beating the Rams last week with the Cowboys are playing this Sunday. I've got start Deontay Johnson, wide receiver Pittsburgh. Um, like I said, revamped offense with him back in the mix. Uh, he's the possession receiver, and I think he gets very healthy targets when he's in. Usually it's around 9 to 11 targets a game for Deontay Johnson. Um, start Devontae Smith, wide receiver in Philadelphia. Now, I know A.J. Brown is stealing the show over there in Philadelphia. No need to worry. No need to fear. Devontae Smith is the Washington Commander's killer. He is the Communist Party. Um, so versus this week, Washington secondary, I, I expect maybe a breakout game for Devontae Smith here. We're kind of expecting it. Uh, you know, consistently putting up 8 to 12 points, which is not – Great, but you know, it's not bad either knowing what AJ Brown's doing. So 12 to 20 PPR points expectancy for this game. Uh sit DeAndre Hopkins, the wide receiver out of Tennessee. Um, Malik Wills is at quarterback until further notice. He is on the bench for sure. Hopefully, DeAndre Hopkins gets traded to some other team. But the Tennessee uh team is after that Kevin Byard trade to the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they're selling. Um, but minimal uh, you know, go actually they're going against Cleveland defense as well. That's a that's a big uh, proponent. Uh, deficiency uh, expectancy for D hop, but sit Daryl Henderson running back Los Angeles Rams. I think the Dallas run defense really stabilizes uh, or st stimulates uh, Daryl Henderson. I'm using a lot of advanced verbs and I think I'm suffering um, minimal production. Um, I'd really, I think Daryl Henderson is actually a really crappy running back, but he just knows the offense. I expect four or more sacks on Stafford, getting them into Heath mode. So, I would sit Daryl Henderson, even though he kind of had a productive week against the Steelers, which is a good defense. Um, and the sleeper of the week, which I know it's not really a sleeper, but T. Higgins, the wide receiver Cincinnati, I know people might be looking at his previous games and saying, and you're counting him out. You know, just, of course, the bye week happened, and then the years, the two weeks prior, uh, he sat one out, of course, but he got hurt with the rib injury, exited the game. Still, had, I think he had eight targets in the game regardless. Um, missed the next game, and then the next game he forced himself to play, uh, I believe is either he – one of the two. And I don't lose confidence in T. Higgins. Against this San Francisco, like I mentioned earlier, Joe Burrow plays really well. Uh, he's healthier after the bye. It's a tough it's a tough opponent, but Burrow thrives midseason, and I expect high volume for him and uh, Jamar Chase. So T. Higgins, don't lose trust. And, of course, we've got – our heave of the week. Now, I think I've got this mastered down now. Um, the, the the previous two times, it's been really difficult because I, when you play it with volume, I cut out. Um, but let's get our heave of the week here. And this is AJ Brown. Or I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts to AJ Brown. So, all right. 
it's on the screen. We are ready to go. 544 left in the fourth quarter. 10 penalties for Miami for 70 yards. They're down 17 to 24 versus the Philadelphia Eagles. Hertz takes the, sh- the snap out of the shotgun, gives a pump fake. Hezzy shuffles his feet, fires as he's thrown. <laughs> AJ Brown, stunt on him, son. He's standing on beanies down there inside the red zone, setting him up. The Philadelphia Eagles for the win. The city of brotherly love gets it done against the Miami Dolphins for the. <laughs> that was a that was a throw into double coverage too. That was that was a hell of a throw. I'm not gonna lie. Terrible throw. No. <laughs> always gotta love the play by play. Yeah, you always gotta love the play by play by the rook. Uh, yeah. Shout out. Hey, by the way, shout out to the 100.3, the bull guy. Uh, that's where I kind of get that copycat voice from. <laughs> that dude on the radio was crazy. I get out of church, they'd be like. Shab in the back in the backfield, but he's got uh Diopkins to his right and strips right on the backfield and blah blah blah. Arian Foster's got a you know a, a Torah in his left hand and he is you know rushing left side and he has praised all and it's just like super detailed. Yes. You know, it's 76 degrees out here, overcast, there's 78 clouds in the sky with the sun. There's an eclipse actually coming up from the north side. There's actually 758,000 fans of this game. There's 78 uh JJ Watt jerseys in the north side corner and 88 Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub just throws a pick six and there's a pick six burger down the street at the sixth street. And you're like, holy smokes, dude. <laughs> and then you get the analysts on the other side, they would be like, good throw there by Matt Schaub. And you're like, yeah, you didn't say much. <laughs> that's that's used to he couldn't let the thing he couldn't get a he couldn't get a word in. That I love that that guy was entertaining. You know, he does a fantastic job. And of course I'm I'm making making fun, but that dude does a tremendous job. And I, I was like, dang, I, I feel like I could do this. This is kind of funny. Um, but anyway, uh let's get into our track uh hierarchy of the week. This is track hierarchy week seven. I'll let you start off with your with your top ten over there. Oh man, a lot of movement. I actually have uh some honorable mentions in there as well. And I think they might surprise a couple of people, but I have the Browns as my last in the honorable mention list. Um, if they could figure out how to get Deshaun Watson to stop being a baby back bitch, um, they might actually be pretty good. <laughs> and then bad. the Jets. The Jets I actually had in their honorable mention. Their roster is still shining with Zach Wilson. I mean, I can't imagine what this team would look like with Aaron Rodgers. They would be pretty, pretty electric. And then uh, last in my honorable mention section, I have the Bengals. Like I said earlier, they are at the bottom of their division right now. They are three and three, but they are still a good football team. And I think they're going to show it in the second half of this year. They'll be in the playoffs. That's my prediction. But uh, now we're going to get into the uh, top 10, but we're going to go ahead and start off at uh, number 33, and that's the San Francisco 49ers. They're down to 33. And maybe they make an appearance later in this list. We'll see. Uh, at number 10, I have the Buffalo Bills. I'm starting to believe that the Buffalo Bills are just not a good football team, as everybody's given them credit for. They've lost a lot on defense. But, you know, like we talked about with Josh Allen earlier in this podcast, eh, things aren't looking too good for them uh, as of late. So yeah. at number nine, I have the Detroit Lions. They suffered a brutal loss to the Ravens, and I recapped that earlier in this broadcast. I still think they're a good football team. They just got hit right in the mouth. And as uh, their coach, Dan Campbell, says, is, you know, I don't care if you've got, you know, one ass cheek and two toes, I'm beating your ass. So I think that they'll, <laughs> they'll wake up like the Undertaker and, and come back to life. 
And then number eight, I've got the Seattle Seahawks. Um, they're playing good football right now. You know, they're behind uh, the 49ers and they're to uh, NFC West, but they are, they're, you know, they're a good football team. They're, I think they're four and two right now, five and two now, but they are, yeah, right. yeah. they're a uh, solid football team that is playing pretty good football. They're missing DK Metcalf on Sunday and they still uh, eked out a win. So let me double check that for you. They are four and two. So yeah, I was gonna say, I think four and two right behind uh, the 49ers. So they're 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 a pretty good football team. And then at number seven, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're uh, they're starting to heat up a little bit. Five and two. They're coming off of another win uh, that we recapped earlier against the Saints. And then the week before, they played two weeks in London, and they beat the the Bills in London. So they are five and two, leading the AFC South right over the Texans. And then at number six, this is where I put our Dallas Cowboys. Um, I put Dallas at six. They're coming off a bye. I had him uh, at six the last time I was on this podcast. They're one to know against the bye. <laughs> yeah, so they're still – I still think the Dallas is a good football team, but, um, you know, I still want to see them beat somebody pretty good. And uh, yeah. that's – until I see that, I, I will not move them up. And that kind of goes with the team that follows them at number five is the Miami Dolphins. Now, the only reason I have the Miami Dolphins over Dallas right now is that Miami's still in the same spot. They've uh, beaten up a lot of bad teams, and yeah. the two teams that they've played that have been good, they have struggled against. So um, that goes with the game that they played against the Eagles. Uh, on Sunday night, they struggled and lost, but the, uh, Miami's just – the reason I have them on top of Dallas is they're just a way more explosive offense, and they are oh, full yeah. of speed. And when they get um, – a chain back. I think they're saying week eleven. I think they'll 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 be fine. Uh, by Christmas when we play them, they'll have Jalen Ramsey back as well. I believe. Yeah, so. fantastic. Um, anyway, uh, going to number four. This is where I moved the team that I just said was number thirty-five. Um, back up <laughs> there, the San Francisco 49ers, I have them at number four. They're creeping down my list. Um, yeah, they just haven't looked really impressive the last two weeks. Um, people don't uh, sleep on Cleveland. And their defense, Cleveland's defense is really, really good. There's a lot of stats that back it up. But, you know, Brock Purdy hasn't been there. And he's looked not too great in the last two weeks. They lost to P.J. Walker. And then they lost to a team that uh, was about to hit the self-destruct button uh, two weeks ago. Not good. I know. And then at number three, I have the Baltimore Ravens. That was a very, very impressive win against the Lions. They're uh, starting to kind of – coming to their midseason form, looking pretty good. Lamar Jackson, I've been very um, critical of Lamar in terms of uh, passing in the pocket. And like I said earlier, his achievement unlocked pocket faster ability. He's looked pretty good in the, in, the, in the pocket. He's had three or four games where he's 75% over um, for completion percentage, and he's starting to look really good. And then the Ravens defense is always good. Yeah. I mean, there's two people in that division, the Ravens and the Steelers, that like you can just like I don't give a shit who's out there on defense. They're just good. Like they've always been yeah. good. So yep. and then at number two, I have the Philadelphia Eagles. Um they've they're six and one. They still look really good. Um I've had my issues with them, but they continue to win ball games. So you know, you gotta put them at number two. Yeah. Um, they continue, They beat the Dolphins on Sunday night by 14. Um, people say that game was skewed. I, I have to agree a little bit, but they're finding ways to win games. They're playing complimentary football. Their defense has been pretty 
um, down bad in the secondary with injuries, but their front seven is nasty and their running game is nasty. And Jalen Hurts has been playing good enough football to keep them in games and, and win these games. So, and then at number one, uh, this will be nothing new. The Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Um, they were down the list for a little bit, but they just keep proving time and time again that hey, we're the Kansas City Chiefs, and we have God tier. We have God tier Patrick Mahomes. So that uh, sums up my list. Again, I'll go top five. I got the Dolphins at five, 49ers at four. Ravens at three, Eagles at two, and the Chiefs at number one. So that is my top ten as of week seven. Um, yeah. Very solid list. Very solid list. I like it. Well, I'm going to give you all a visual. If you guys are watching, um, I encourage you guys to get on uh, YouTube or Spotify. Of course, if you're listening, that's fine, too. I'm going to explain it for both. But I have some visuals for you guys here. These are my rankings for – this is my official – rankings i have a tier list that i'm going to go to right after this um but nonetheless i wanted to throw the seattle seahawks in here because i think they're relevant to talk about but i have them at number 11 just outside the top 10 in my uh kind of a honorable mention but they actually went down two slots uh to make room for the cleveland browns um who are at number 10 you know like like you mentioned if they find a quarterback they could certainly uh, do a lot of damage with, you know, even without Nick Chubb, they're, they're impressing yeah. uh, the addition of Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford. I know he's going to be out one to two weeks, so they're going to battle some injuries, but I think that team's for real. And um, they got the pieces to maybe win a playoff game or two. And that's what a top 10 team really does is get to the wild card, maybe win a game and or get to the divisional. Uh, number nine, they fall down way down four slots. The Buffalo Bills, and this kind of has to go into what I was saying about Josh Allen earlier in the pod. Um, until further notice, I really don't have them entering the, the, the fifth seed until they win, you know, uh, two or three games against, you know, above average component uh, opponents in a convincible way. Um, you know, and then of course, following that up from poverty is the number eight, Dallas Cowboys. Um, and the only reason I have this here is because we still have some offensive struggles. Um, and of course, I said I would not move them past number six uh, until they beat somebody that's relevant, uh, like the Eagles in two weeks. Hopefully they can do that. I really don't believe that the Jaguars or the Lions are better, but there you go. The Detroit Lions stay at number seven. The Jaguars, the Jaguars uh, move up five slots to number six. Miami Dolphins moved down two slots to number five. Got the Eagles at four, staying neutral where they were at. Like, like you said, they're playing complimentary football and they're finding ways to win in ways that I think are outside their identity. And then the beat up Baltimore Ravens moving up five spots into the number three team. Um, shout out to them. Lamar's playing great football, you know, despite the injuries at running back. If I were the Ravens, I'd be looking to trade for somebody like Derrick Henry, um, you know, who is – the Tennessee Titans are folding over there, which by the way, fun fact, Derrick Henry's 29 freaking years old. So, you know, he should be ring chasing right now. Uh, and San Francisco 49ers moving down a slot to number two. I think I have them here for now. This is probably if they continue to upset, not upset me, but if they continue to satisfy me with these losses, um, yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm going to have them, you know, outside the, the top three probably after this week. Um, but they continue to, to 
to have all these issues. Um, and then, of course, number one, the Texas Rangers moving up 29 slots um, <laughs> from the 30th best team in the MLB to the 20 uh, to the first team in the in the AL division, going to the World Series in seven games out of Houston. Congratulations to the Texas Rangers. You are number one on my list, along with the swift effect, the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, yeah, so that's that. But I also have a tier list for you guys as well, just to kind of show you my summary of what we've seen so far um, in the league. Um, so just one moment here. Let me get this set up. Of course, the tier list, always fun. Here we go. We have on the bottom, 1-0 versus the bye, but their poverty, but the ALCS. So there's hope for one of the teams, but there's also no hope for one of the teams, but there's also hope. So we got the Cowboys and the Texans down at the bottom in the 1-0 <laughs> versus the bye, but poverty, but ALCS. And then we have the tonight, we are young. The Green Bay Packers, the Commanders, the Panthers, and the Falcons, all young gun teams. Fun but frisky, but they suck. Um, and then we got Simmer, Pittsburgh Steelers, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Seattle Seahawks. Pretty decent teams. They got some dubs this week. Nothing too much to freak out on. Um, <coughs> Jaguars are still, I think, at that divisional level. Not sure they're contenders yet, but they're yeah. the best team in that Simmer level. All right, my next two. Fouled alive, but zero film study. And that's Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> and the, Cardinals. <laughs> and the Arizona Cardinals. He's returning this week, um, most likely. And then declared missing due to zero film study. And that's Josh Allen and the Bills uh, with two straight losses. Um, top dollar for Made in China, cheap crap. That's the, uh, the Chargers, <laughs> uh, the Browns the Broncos and the Saints. This is the, these are all those teams that paid for a quote unquote elite quarterback and they're getting shit play. Um, yeah. <laughs> all five or all yeah. four of those teams played top dollar. You have Herbert with the $50 million contract, uh, Watson, $235 million guaranteed, uh, Wilson, 45 million a year. And the I remember when the Saints got Derek Carr and it was like a come to Jesus meeting in New Orleans. Yeah. Everybody was like, yeah. oh my God, we got Derek Carr. And then they had like the whole, they had the whole, uh, like the bicep and they were treating him like he was Jesus Christ at the, uh, at the table. Yeah. So. yeah. He was in reality, he was Judas. Uh, but you know, <laughs> yeah. the, all the, the pictures of him, you know, Derek Carr has been in the weight room this off season. And I was like, yeah, well he's been throwing heave balls 40 miles, uh, 40 miles outside of the, the boundary line there but like this whole list is i bought a stereo from amazon that says it's from china it's an off-brand and i expected it to to work like the best on the market and it it was made in china and it 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 plays like shit it always breaks it blew out the first time you started playing it blew out exactly and you're like why the hell did i spend all this money on this bullshit and that's what you get uh and then the reverse uno for blowout teams you got uh the dolphins get blown out or they blow people out and then the 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 detroit lions get blown out but the ravens blow people out so that you got those three teams in the reverse uno card section and then you got the nfc beast the new york giants get their dub versus a 
uh, a strong opponent in the Washington Commanders. And, of course, the <laughs> Eagles stay in the NFC Beast category. Juggernaut, 49ers. And then, which, honestly, I made this list Monday evening before the game started. I saved the picture and said, screw it. We're just going to run with it, assuming that they would win. Uh, so I'm going to change that to anti-juggernaut. because Anti-juggernaut. Not, yeah. They're anti-hero. Yeah, more like Ant Man that can't turn into a fucking ant. And then you got deep state, real uh, ritualistic Super Bowl winners. Now this has to do with that witch in the press box, Taylor <laughs> Swift, and her ritualistic ways during her concerts. You Swifties are all being swayed by the devil when you listen to her music, and I'm not even That's kidding. Right. And this is a deep state Vegas call, ritualistic Super Bowl winning. They've got the State Farm commercials. They got the rituals. They got that witch bitch up there, and. <laughs> They're winning ball games. Kelsey's got the vaccine. They're doing Pfizer commercials. It's right in front of your face. Follow the money. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, Super Bowl winners, 2023. And that's my power rankings of the day. Uh, yeah. Stay woke. Stay woke, guys. QAnon. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to QAnon shatter the script. Um, yeah. All right. Track records of the week. I'll let you uh, hit me up with your uh, record of the week, and I'll follow I, you know, I, I didn't really have one when we started this podcast and I'm going to have to say my track record of the week is going to be the ALCS, uh, nobody winning at home. That was unbelievable. Um, that really hurt. And then my other record of the week is I am down bad and fantasy football for the second year in a row. I have literally gone on my knees to, uh, the fantasy football gods, like, Throwing a Bible out while it's raining. Why? This is my thing. Usually, God. I'm, usually I'm at the top of the the list when it comes to fantasy football. I've always been in the playoffs, and not not this year. So I'm two and five in two of my leagues, and I'm just I went through a series of trades today, and one of them I had three trades, and everybody was freaking out. Like I got two What's guys. Going on? Yeah, I got two guys and I flipped them immediately. Got two guys and I flipped them immediately. And everybody was like, "Why are you trading for them if you don't want them?" And I'm just like, "You don't don't even worry about the game. It's the art of the deal. It's the art of the deal." Yeah, those are my two track records of the week. One of them, uh, Astro Sad Boy, and then number two, Fanny's Football Comeback for the Analyst. So yeah, solid. Well, mine was my trip to our dear lease this weekend, where I went hog hunting, and I was. Uh, I don't even know. I cannot even confirm or deny. I mean, I have no idea what happened, but I believe I was 0 for 4 on shooting this weekend. <laughs> so my AR-15 translates to AR-0. I mean, I shot I shot out a hog from 30, 35 yards or whatever, and no flinch, no no sway, nothing, no blood, no squeal, nothing. And those feral sons of guns got away from me. And <laughs> I think I missed a coyote the next day. Um, which sounded like a hit when I shot. Sounded like a hit to my dad, too. He was like, oh, that's a hit. Went over there, no blood. I don't know what's going on. There's a skinwalker eating my shit out there. I don't know what's going on. But <laughs> over four on the weekend, shooting with the AR, taking it to the range this weekend to fire some NATO downrange and see what's going on. Get that yeah, thing wired in. At that's a great way to start the hunting season right there is going over for four. I had a different weekend the week before. So yeah, I don't mind money. That's why I wanted to bring it up because I was like, everybody did shot like half a or two dozen hogs last weekend. And yeah. I come up there and I see a group of hogs miss, 
I see a hog come out right in front of my face, miss, coyote, miss. I was like, what is going on? That thing ain't zero. Yeah, that thing ain't got no gas in it. Ain't got no gas. All right. Well, that concludes uh, track 19, um, (laughs) the ALCS series, the Lone Star series. And per usual, you can catch us every Wednesday on all the – all of the apps, Spotify, uh, Apple. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, which are below. If you're watching this, you can see them below. Find us on X at the track pod, uh, TikTok, track.pod, Instagram, track.pod as well. Our link tree, this is the key to finding us everywhere um, for wherever you want to watch. Uh, if you want to watch on YouTube, if you want to watch on Apple, if you want to watch on Spotify, if you want to go to our Patreon and support the podcast, you know, whatever it may be, it's all on the link tree on every one of our social media uh, websites. So, um, and it's, there's a, a website included. I mean, hell, you can even listen to it on iHeartRadio if you want to. I don't, I mean, it's all there. So find us on the link tree to get that branch of, of options um, going forward. But yeah, shout out the script every Wednesday, the analysts, we appreciate you coming on per usual. And we thank you for your contribution. And this is the Rookie and the Kid podcast. Um, go Cowboys and see y'all after week eight. Yeah, hoping for a good Cowboys dub on Sunday. So let's get it. All right. Y'all take it easy. <laughs>